0: Uh, Kim Auren will be out at the back. You will have a background check done on you. You will be trained and it will not be a life sentence to serve the rest of your life in the nursery. We'll ask you to serve four weeks out of the next four months. So once a month, try it on for size. And if you would do that, please see Kim out at the back after the service. This passage in Matthew is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And John Stott, in his commentary on the Sermon on on the Mount, says this, the Sermon on the Mount has a unique fascination. It seems to present the quintessence of the teaching of Jesus. It makes goodness attractive. It shames our shabby performance and engenders dreams of a better world. Are you dreaming of a better world? You're dreaming of a better church? I am. 9-11 was... 11 was hard on our country, and those of us who are alive will never, how I many of you were alive when 9-11 took place? You will never forget where you were, what you were doing, when you either saw it or heard about those planes flying into the, into the towers or the Pentagon or in a field um, in Pennsylvania. Last two years have been hard. Those of us who have lived through COVID will never forget life before COVID and after COVID. It's been a hard two years. It's been a hard two years for our church here, and it's been a good two years. You say, how in the world can you say that? Well, everything that happens to Christians passes through the fingers of God, our sovereign God. God never looks down and says, what in the world are they doing down there? And it's good because the Bible says trials and difficulties refine us. They make us focused. They, they prepare us for the future. They drive us to our knees back to the Lord. And they force us to take a real good look, a hard look at ourselves, who we are and what we're doing. How many of you are pilots? May I see your hands? You're a pilot. Pilots know it's hard to do maintenance on an airplane in flight. So God sometimes grounds us because he has some things he wants to do in our life, gives us a chance to think about who we are and what we're doing. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about my, mentioned my, my friend Jeff who was in a car wreck, and when I got to the hospital, he, was, he had amnesia. I walked in, and he looked at me, and I said, Jeff, I'm your friend Sam. Uh, we meet for breakfast every week. You're the treasurer in our church, and you've helped me finish my, my doctoral work, and I, I just heard about the accident. And he looked at me and he said, you say you're my friend. He pointed to Diane at his side. They they tell me she's my wife. He took out a business card and said, they tell me this is where I work. And they tell me my name is Jeff, but who am I? It's a horrible thing to lose memory. It's a horrible thing to forget who you are because you don't know what to do. You don't know how to act. And Christians often go through a kind of a spiritual amnesia, and we forget who it is that we are. And so Jesus in this passage reminds us that we're the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Look at it once again. Verse 13, Matthew 5. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall it be salty again? How can the saltiness be restored? That's the question. Thank God those Christians live in our neighborhood so they see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So Jesus uses two metaphors, two everyday items to remind us of who we are and the influence that we have in the world and how we are to live in the world and how we're to be recognized as Christians in the world. I want you to notice three things. I want you to notice to whom he is speaking. You, you, and in the language, the Greek language of the New Testament, that's emphatic. You and only you, of all the people on the earth, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And what is so intriguing to me is he is speaking to a handful of small business owners and fishermen who probably lived week to week, who will live and die and be forgotten in a faraway part of the world that nobody nobody will notice, nobody will care anything about. And to them, he says, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And notice how he says it. You are. Statement of fact. You are salt. You are the light. In other words, if if you'll take these five steps... If you'll try really hard, you'll be the salt. No, no, no. He says, just because you follow me, because you are a a Christian, you're the salt of the earth. It's not something you have to try to do. It's who you are. And notice what he says. You're the salt. You're the light. Very ordinary things, and Jesus loved to take ordinary items and use them to make extraordinary kinds of statements about God and about. People And here's the reality, most of us are pretty ordinary. And yet, life on this planet could not exist without salt or light. And what Jesus is saying, if we knew nothing more than this, is it's an incredibly wonderful thing to be a Christian. Because not only are you important to God and important to your family, this world needs you. This world cannot exist without you. In fact, he says, if you hide who you are, that's as silly as taking a light and putting it under a bed or or a basket. He says, don't lose what makes you who you are. Don't lose your your saltiness. So what does it mean to be the salt and what does it mean to be the light? Well, I think light's pretty easy to understand. Uh, Light illuminates. Light shows what's there. Light, Light brings joy. There's weeping lasts for the night, says the Psalms, but there's joy in the morning. And I'm sure Jesus, as a little boy in Nazareth, saw his mother as, as daylight was ending, dark is coming on, take a light a lamp. And in those, da- those days, they had no cell phones that just give us light everywhere we go. In those days, you took a wick and dropped it in a little bowl of oil and lit it. And it's a very small light. But if you've ever been in a place where it's really, really dark, Just a small candle just shows up, throws a lot of light. And when he says, You're the light of the world, it really sounds kind of weird to say, I'm the light of the world. I want you to turn to people on your right and left and say, I am the light of the world. Just feels kind of awkward, doesn't it? It does. A little arrogant, a little arrogant. And you want to go, Wait a minute. Jesus said he was the light of the world and how am I and I'm the light of the world? I mean how do those two go together? And he did say John 8, "I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, will have the light of life." If Jesus is the light of the world, how are we the light of the world? And the answer is because we're lit. He has lit us. We're like the moon. We we don't have our own light. We 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 reflect. We, we're derived light and we commit our life to him we become the light of the world so what is the light that he's talking about and he, he says it in, in verse 16 he says it's, it's it's your good works that are meant to be so attractive that people ultimately see the beauty of the way we relate to one another and things that we and and they and they want to ask the question and that's why 1 Peter 3 says, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and do it with, with respect. I think the light's pretty clear. Salt, not so sure. Salt of the earth was a song by the Rolling Stones. Maybe you've heard someone say, he's, a, he's the salt of the earth kind of person, which means he's, he's good, he's honest, he's, he's humble. Salty language, coarse Laced with profanity, the Urban Dictionary says if you call someone salty, it means they have a bad attitude. So what does it mean to be the salt of the earth? Jesus puts it this way in all three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptics. He says in Luke, salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. Boy, that's graphic. It's thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear You have interacted with salt, whether you realize it or not, in the last couple of hours. We use it to make leather, pottery, soap, detergent, rubber, clothes, paper, cleaning products, glass, plastics, and pharmaceuticals. Half of the chemical products are made with some variety, some kind of salt at some stage. 70% of the earth is covered by salt water. We spread it on roads when it gets really icy in some places and it sits on tables in millions of cafes and restaurants and we hardly notice it and the difference between salt and pepper is life can exist without pepper not without salt if you don't have salt in your body you die if you have too much salt in your body you die the human body has salt that regulates from blood pressure to the strength of neuron firings that form our thoughts. Your body contains about 50 teaspoons of salt, 250 grams. We lose it when we sweat. We lose it when we cry in tears. You ever follow an animal trail in the woods? An animal trail will lead to one of two places, a source of water or a source of salt, because even animals feel that need for salt. It has healing power. You have a sore throat? Gargle with warm salt water you get the flu, eat chicken soup. Why? Well, in, in, in addition to all those healthy ingredients, there's a healing thing in salt that's in the soup. It's hard to overemphasize how valuable salt was in the days of Jesus. Roman soldiers were paid with a bag of salt that was called the salarium. Spanish took it and called the salario. We get the word salary from it. And a bad Roman soldier was said to be not worth his salt. And when you look in the Bible, you find salt everywhere. Early in Israel's history, Moses explained how Israel was to offer uh, sacrifices. Listen to Leviticus 2:13, "You shall season all your grain offerings with salt." You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. So salt covenant, salt represented a covenant that God made with his people. Ezekiel says babies were rubbed, newborn babies were rubbed with salt. Probably stimulate circulation in their bodies. Ezekiel also says when the enemies of Israel came in, they salted the land so nothing could grow. In Genesis, Lot's wife had to be physically dragged from her hometown to avoid being destroyed, but she was so in love with the depravity of her city, she looked back and turned into a pile of your favorite popcorn seasoning. Pillar of salt. True story, but it's a weird story in the Bible. You're the salt of the earth. So what does that mean? The usual way to understand this is to ask, what does salt do? So I looked, and Dr. Google says salt has 13,000 uses. Salt removes wine stains from the carpet, water stains from from wood. A pinch of salt makes coffee less bitter. It puts out grease fires. Lithium salts are used to power electronic devices. It just goes on and on and on. But in the days of Jesus... Salt did have several uses. One was, and this is the most common, probably we've all heard sermons on this, salt preserves. Salt was the ancient equivalent of refrigeration. So when those fishermen in the Sea of Galilee caught their fish and shipped them 70 miles to Jerusalem to keep the fish from going bad, they packed them in salt. Because salt acts against the bacteria that causes meat to decay salt hinders decay and the same is true of us i think jesus is making a statement about the world that we live in not only is the world dark he calls us the light of the world but left to itself this world is subject to decay it goes bad or let me put it this way things fall apart think of yourself physically we are all falling apart welcome to fellowship bible church it takes a tremendous amount of work and diet and discipline just to slow the process of decay and our bodies down. Thank God for advances in medical science. We thank God, and bless God, for healthcare professionals and technology and medicine. But in spite of all of that, the death rate has not changed. You know what the death rate is? One in one. One in one. Our relationships tend to fall apart. Marriages, with, unless there's work marriages fall apart we lived in memphis for 18 years and my three best friends were black african-american pastors all three spoke at a retirement celebration that the church did but it took a tremendous amount of communication and work otherwise there was misunderstanding and suspicion cities fall apart trust in all authorities these days falls apart when i'm with a group of people and someone says so what do you do i hate that question I'm a pastor. Oh. I think suspicion of all authorities is sky high. Divorce, crime, racism, war, labor management, problems, abuse, corruption in politics, corruption in business. The universe itself is running down. The second Law of thermodynamics. Things left to themselves go to pieces. You read Romans 1, and it's the human history that's listed there is like a slinky going downstairs. It just gets worse and worse. And to be the salt means that we hinder social decay. It's what we do because of who we are. We preserve good things. Did you know that all but one of the first 123 colleges in early America were Christian institutions? Harvard University was founded on this statement, quote, Let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. Christians have always led the way in literacy and education. I don't recommend books very often, but I want to recommend a book to you. It's The Triumph of Christianity by Rodney Stark. The Triumph of Christianity by Rodney Stark, who is not a believer. He's a sociologist. He's a historian. He became interested in how Christianity could grow so quickly in the early early days. He talks about two great plagues in the Roman Empire and what undermined the pagan religions of Rome, was the fact that the wealthy Romans left the city and Christians were going into the city to take care of the poor and dying. One of the, he says one of the reasons the early church grew was respect for women. In the ancient church, women were considered the property of their husbands. In fact, it was common to throw out female babies because they were not valued. And Christian, because of the low status of women, and Christians went out and found those babies and raised them up. And it got to the point in the Roman Empire, Stark says, so there were so few women that men were going to Christian churches and asking permission to marry their women. And the answer they got was, sure, get saved, take the catechism class, and get baptized. Julian was an early Roman emperor. He was a pagan, and he wrote to the pagan priest and said, you've got to pick up your game. The Christians are killing you. Not only do they care for their poor, they care for our poor. We're just because of who we are. We're sold. concept of human rights, of human equality, human dignity all comes from the idea that people are created in the image of God. Christians work to, to honor and preserve life from the womb to the tomb. Hospitals nursing profession, all came from Christians. The scientific revolution that was launched from from Christian scientists, Isaac Newton, Johannes Kepler, Blaise Pascal, and Christians were the first people in history to systematically oppose slavery. The early Christians bought slaves in the marketplace to set them free. The civil rights movement in our country was launched and sustained in churches. Some of our men were the salt of the earth last weekend. Throw those pictures up if you would. In Chattanooga, the Tim uh, Tebow Foundation is working, and boy, is that a group of salty people! Working to help victims of the slave sex slave traffic. Average age, twelve years old. So this was a warehouse, a large empty building. The some of our men went to and began to renovate to make it a space where victims of slave trafficking could go. They could receive counseling. They could receive a training and some skills to begin to rebuild their lives. Um, they could find hope. So these men are there working as salt just because they're Christians. It's what we do because of who we are working to renovate this building and that's what it looks like now inside absolutely beautiful in the name of Christ salt preserves salt flavors it's the original seasoning brings out the flavor of food listen to Job 6 6 and 7 Is tasteless food eaten without salt? Or is there flavor in the white of an egg? I refuse to touch it. Such food makes me ill. (laughs) Ruthie and I went to Costa Rica, lived there for 14 years trying to learn Spanish. And while we were there, we met a middle-aged blind woman who had been literally exiled from our country. Um, Her parents were killed in a, Firefight in New York City between the police and the mafia. And she was blinded in that. And she was just a young child. And the godfather heard about her, took her, and raised her as his own daughter. And he taught her all the tricks of the trade. So she told us she smuggled guns and drugs in every continent on earth. I mean, who's going to suspect a blind woman? But she said over a period of time, she became very cynical, very hard. She's middle-aged. She's back home in New York City, and she is in a dress shop because her godfather is having some kind of celebration. And while she's there waiting to be served, she hears the voice of this little um, sales girl who just seems so happy. And when her turn came to be served, she asked the sales girl, she said, "What? what makes you so happy? And this little dinghy Early 20s, something said, Well, Jesus makes me happy. And the blind woman said, Don't give me that. I've studied the great religions of the world. There's nothing to it. She's very hard, very cynical. And this little girl said, Well, you ask me. And in one of those strange things that happened, that older, blind, hard woman became friends with that young sales clerk. And over a period of time, she came to know Christ. Her life was flavored. By someone who is just a Christian. God so made us that as a Christian when the Holy Spirit is filling us we walk into a situation and rather than say what's in it for me the question is what can I do to make this better? How can I serve these people? How can I bring out the best in this situation? Salt preserves, salt flavors, and salt irritates. <laughs> Do you ever cut your, did you ever get a paper cut and popcorn salt got into it? What does it feel like? Bites, stings. Those fishermen knew what it was like to cut their hand on the netting and, um, and let water from the salt water get into that wound because it bites and it stings. I was taking a course in, auditing a course in Spanish at the University of Tulsa sitting in class, and there were about eight or ten of us in the class. And the way this professor worked was every day she would throw out a subject for us to talk about in our best Spanish. To, try to We would just go right around the circle talking about it. Um, your favorite television show, um, the last good movie you saw, just, she would throw out a subject. One day the subject was abortion. She threw it out, and the first person in line, a young man, said, Well, I believe... I believe the answer to the overpopulation problem in the, in the world has to do with abortion. Well, another, another person said, well, abortion's a woman's right to choose. Went right on around the circle. Came to me. I didn't yell. I didn't preach. I just gave my opinion like everybody else. I said, abortion is the taking of a human life and it's morally wrong. And a girl sitting right across the circle from me began to turn red And when the bell rang, she got up and left so quickly, almost almost overturned the desk. And I wondered, what what happened? I didn't attack her. Could it be that salt got in a wound in her life? Friends, Jesus did not call us sugar. He did not call us honey. He called us salt. Salt. And just as light exposes darkness and salt exposes decay, no matter how winsome we try to be, no matter how inoffensive we want to be, simply because we follow Jesus, we're going to irritate some people. We're going to make some people mad. Let me mention a couple more and I'm going to turn finish up. Salt melts ice. Salt lowers the freezing point of water so that's why we use our icy roads to help bring the temperature down melt the ice salt melts ice When our little one of our kids were little they played t-ball and the coach of one of our teams a manager was a young woman named narda kind of a hard woman her husband steve was a prison guard Um, one evening after the practice narda told ruthie she said "Uh, i got breast cancer and i'm going to the hospital." I'm really scared. And Ruthie prayed for her. And then she went by to see her the night before surgery. And uh, she shared the gospel with her. Next morning after the surgery, Ruthie went in and Narda was sitting there in bed. And surgery went well. And she said, oh, oh, I, I prayed that prayer. Salt melted Ice. And salt creates thirst. Why do you think they put salted peanuts on the counter at bars? Salted pretzels. The woman at the well, Jesus comes along, salt of the earth. She's thirsty for the living water. So, what do we do with all of this? What do we do? And I just want to mention two things that I'm through. We stay connected to our culture, and we stay connected to lost people, and we remain distinctive. We're in, but not of, the world. We've got to maintain, connect. Salt does no good in a salt shaker. Right? It's got to be, got to be poured out into something. Because it changes whatever it's poured out. It needs to be sprinkled around. And the same is true of us. Light does no good if you put it under a bed. You got to put it up where it can be seen. And that's a real challenge in our world right now. It's a real challenge in our culture, because COVID accelerated change in our culture. And things that Christians have believed for 2,000 years, convictions that we have had for 2,000 years that have blessed the world, are now perceived as evil, and harsh, and cruel. So it's a challenge to stay connected. How many of you have with, with children, have had a hard time finding television shows to watch? And when you do find one, what about the commercials? It's hard. So what do we do? We run and hide. We stop talking to people, stop trying to share the gospel. We take our sermons offline, turn the lights off. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his incredible book, The Cost of Discipleship, and he knew something about persecution, wrote Flight into the invisible. Flight from the world is a denial of the gospel. A commitment to Jesus that seeks to hide itself has ceased to follow Him. You cannot follow Jesus and hide from the world, our culture. We need to overcome this fear that we have. Start engaging with our culture. Go all out, more barbecues, barbecues in the neighborhood, more block parties, more vacation Bible schools. Ruthie and I went to Phoenix to visit a friend. Uh, It was 110 at 11 o'clock at night in Phoenix. And he invited us to go watch his softball game at that time. So we went out to watch it, and um, I said, what's the name of your team? He said, Pond Scum. (laughs) You've got to be kidding. I said, no, I found the raunchiest group of guys, and I'm the only Christian there. I'm just trying trying to be a Christian in that group. means that we cannot abandon the internet. I know there's a lot of bad stuff on the internet. But the internet today is like the Roman roads in the time of Jesus that enabled Paul to get from one major city to another major city. Martin Luther... At a time when books were rare and written only in Latin, Martin Luther had his sermons published in these tracts in the language of Germany or the language of other people. Thousands were reproduced, and farmers knew the Bible better than at any other time in history because they had technology, and today the Internet is that kind of technology for you and for me. And with all of our, it's false. It's a powerful tool for the gospel. Quick story, just going to tell you. Our, our son Joey over in Barcelona had, had a, um, a friend, a, a middle-aged woman who loved to get on, who did these, she was Pakistani and did these, she did these YouTube videos in Urdu then went out all over Pakistan and she got someone who wrote to her, a woman who wrote to her and said to her, she's living in some city in Pakistan, wrote to her and said, I've been watching American horror movies and when the werewolf or the vampire sees a cross, they, they, they go back. Why? And this woman, using email and FaceTime, led her to Christ. Only God could use an American horror movie to get someone to Jesus. She also made some... some, These these videos, she would just teach and preach the gospel on these YouTube videos. Went out and she she got an email from some young men in a village, some village somewhere in Pakistan, and they wrote and said, we've been watching your videos, and we've, our little group of guys, we've all become Christians. What do we do now? And she said, well, you need to get baptized. And they said, there's not much water in our area. So she said, get some buckets and fill them with water and pour it over each other. And they started a church using Internet technology. You just got to stay connected. And we've got to do a better job with our website and our app. And we're working on that now. We have to find ways to use social media. And we've got to remain distinctive. I used to go to my grandmother's house when I was in college because she was such a great cook. And one day she said, Sammy? She's the only person who calls me Sammy. Sammy, I'm on this sodium-free diet and there's no good salt substitute what is it that gives salt its power? It's difference. Because it's different. It can make a difference. And friends, in our culture, in our world, it's the fact that we are distinctive. I'm not talking about weird. I'm talking about distinctive that gives us the ability to make a difference. It's it's exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience. It's The Beatitudes that are are listed there. John Stott said God's plan for changing an old society is to implant within it a new society with different values, different standards, different joys, and different goals. The idea is that the watching world sees the difference, finds them attractive, sees our good works, and glorifies our Father in heaven. Technically, salt cannot become unsalt. But what they did in the days of Jesus is because salt came from mines and from seawater down the Dead Sea, they would take salt, and it was mixed up with all these minerals and seeds and everything. They'd put it in a pouch, and because salt deserves, they, dissolves, they could dip this pouch into a boiling pot of water or soup or whatever, dip it in, and the salt would dissolve, and it would flavor what was there until the point it didn't do that any longer, and then they would take it out, and all you've got left are minerals and seeds, and that's what they threw away. You can't lose what makes us distinctive. We can't do that. We've got to continue to believe in a sovereign God in a world that has lost hope. We've got to continue to preach a bloody cross in a world that sees no problems with sin, and we're seeing the effects of that. We've got to continue to preach the biblical view of marriage in a world where hookups and loneliness is epidemic. We've got to continue to preach the biblical view of humanity, people made in the image of God, in a world where Nine-year-olds are encouraged to change their gender with catastrophic consequences. We've got to continue to preach and exhibit the grace of God in a world where grace is so rare. We've got to continue to build beauty in our relationships. Salt does no good in a salt shaker, but it has to retain its saltiness. Anybody here just kind of blending in? Anybody here hiding? Doesn't take a whole lot of salt to do a whole lot of good. Those of you who cook bake cakes, take two cups of flour, a cup of sugar, a cup of salt and <laughs> How much salt does it take? Just a pinch. It doesn't take a lot of salt to do a whole lot of good. If you're going to be the lie of the world, you have to be lit. You're going to be the salt of the earth. You've got to have that which makes you distinctive, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ because of his death and resurrection. And I just wonder. I just wonder if you have come to him. You say, How would I know you've had an aha moment? You've had an aha moment when you realized how selfish I am, how need to control I, I am, how proud I am, and you've seen the beauty of Jesus, who he is, and what he's done. Anybody having an aha moment right now? Would you bow in prayer with me, please? Worship team, if you would come on up. If you're having an aha moment right now, just commit yourself to Jesus Christ. He will light you up in a wonderful way. And you say, well, I am a Christian. I'm not sure I'm doing much. Moses spent 40 days on the mountain and his face glowed. We think by spending one, five minutes once a week with God, something's going to happen. No. No. We've got to be brighter light. We've got to be stronger salt. And that's by getting in contact with the source of light, the creator of salt. So Lord, may may these words not go like just blown in the wind, may we be paying attention to what you said, Lord Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount. May Longview be a better place, more loving place, and may we have a greater attraction to the only one who can make that possible, the people who are around us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together. or
1: well, church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. With shield of faith and belt of truth, We'll stand against the devil's lies An army born Whose battle cry is love Reaching out to those in darkness Call to war, to love the captive soul, but to rage against the captive and with the sword so no wounded Lord, We will fight with faith and valor. When faced with trials on every side, we know the outcome is secure. And Christ will have the prize for which He died—an inheritance of nations. See the cross where love and mercy meet. As the Son of God is stricken to see his foes lie crushed beneath his feet For the conqueror is risen And as the stone is rolled away And Christ emerges from the grave His victory march Continues still the day Every eye and heart will see The strength in every stride Give grace for every hurdle Then we will run With faith to win the prize Of a servant good and faithful As saints of old still line the way We build in triumphs of His grace We hear the call And hunger for the day when with Christ we stand in glory. Yeah. I'd like to invite our prayers forward. One way we want to continue our response is by partnering with other believers. Sometimes we need just a starting point. We have folks that are coming forward now that are here to pray for you, here to serve you in that way. If you're like, I know I need to be salty, I don't know what that looks like, start with prayer. Come forward. Let us love you that way and serve you that way.